This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. And we have a very special guest today. Tell us your name and what you do. My name is Steve, and I am in IT sales. Awesome. And I understand you have a good story to tell us about some recent disruption that has happened at your work. Yeah. You know, there's been some restructuring in my organization. Um, You know, some people have been let go. Um, I was not one of them, fortunately, but you know that coupled with pursuing financial independence, coupled with the fact that I might have a job opportunity for a district sales manager position, um, kind of puts me in a little bit of a good predicament here, if you will. So, were any of those people who let go in a bad, who were let go in a bad place? You sound like you're. Uh, we know you're close to financial independence, if not financially independent, but I imagine. Perhaps not all of your coworkers were. Um, it's I, I didn't know all of them. You know, I, I didn't know their numbers by any means. Um, you know, I will say I'm sure that they will be fine financially in the long term. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's obviously disheartening, demoralizing to work for a company for a number of years and say thanks, but no thanks, we don't need you anymore for really no reason. So. Got it. So, Steve, this is one of our coaching sessions. So you reached out because you're, you need some advice. So, um, you know, quick shout out to people in the audience. If you want to have a session like this with Carl and I, um, shoot us an email and we'll see if it's a good fit and that sort of thing. So, you know, you have a lot of questions to ask us and a a few other areas. I am curious before we get started, when did you discover fire and the fire movement and, and all that kind of stuff can you give us the origin story yeah um you know it was a, it was a long time in the making um you know my my family my father specifically had been dabbling in real estate for a long time um you know i saw that the the freedom that that afforded him um so probably about 2014 2015 i started buying some houses some single family rentals things like that. Um, you know, I, I see where this is going. I see the cash flow. I like the cash flow. And I started educating myself, you know, and that was podcasts, that was reading books. Obviously, we all know and love uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, then it got, uh, then I got led into the bigger pockets world where I started listening to your lovely, lo- lovely wife, Carl. Um, and then ultimately found you guys, you know, and so I, it's, it's definitely a culture, um, that I like, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, I don't think corporate America really, uh, for, for the most part cares about individuals, you know, they care about the bottom line, they care about their shareholders. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true is that, you know, you really are just kind of a number in their book. Um, you know, so I'd like to build a, a financial fortress for myself and my family, you know, so if something like that happens, we, we can say thanks, but we'll be fine. One thing I like is how we're at the end of that progression that started out very respectable. Mindy's in the picture. And then when people get to a certain level, they listen to our show. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> what comes after us? I, 
I, I don't think I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's probably something bad. Some coloring cr- books. It's, yeah, it's or, color. or or a crypto <laughs> scam or something. I don't know. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, uh, Carl, do you have any follow up questions as far as like foundational? ideas no i don't think so the one thing i want to mention is our email address is milehighficlub at gmail.com perfect okay yeah so that's how people would get in touch with us all right cool so steve you have um several questions here um why don't, why don't you lay it out and we could just kind of dive in and run through that sound good yeah a- absolutely um you know like you said that this this is probably going to be more of a coaching session um I've, I've run my numbers time and time and time again. Um, I've actually had my financial advisor run some numbers for me as well. They seem to be pretty accurate, um, but, you know, would love to bounce them off of you, um, you know, see if there's any gotchas maybe that I haven't heard of, any opt- opportunities for optimization of said finances, um, and, you know, kind of go from there. So, Okay, Perfect. cool. Do you care to divulge your numbers, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so according to, to mint.com, which, you know, I'm sure all the fires know and love my net worth right now really hovers about 1.7 million, you know, and that's a, that's a plethora of things. I've got, uh, about $30,000 in, in checking and savings. Um, I have one credit card, but I don't really carry any debt on that. Um, I use it every month and I, I pay it off of every month. Um, and that's, that's kind of all of my expenses on that card. It's, it's, you know, gas, food, the whole nine yards. And then I've got about $760,000 in, for the most part, after tax brokerage accounts. Um, and then another $30,000 for my daughter's college fund set away. And then from a property standpoint, and, and this is including my, my home residence, but I have about 1.4 million and then about a half million in, uh, in loans right now. So my, my current uh, primary residence is valued, again, this is through uh, Mint, which I believe pulls in through Zillow at about a half million dollars. And then I've got eight other rental properties, all single families, except for one, which is a duplex. So yeah, so it, it nets out to be about 1.6, 1.7. So. Cool. What kind of cash flow are you getting from your rental properties after accounting for your taxes, your payments, pity, all, all that? Yeah. Yep. Um, so it actually averages about a thousand dollars a month in cash flow. And these, you know, not, I know not everybody likes this model, but I've done the the turnkey model um, ever since the beginning. I'm not handy. Um, I don't like being handy. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'd be a good uh, property manager. I think if somebody was late, I'd probably ask, I'd get them evicted on day three, (laughs) which I know is not a good perspective to take. So, you know, I have professionals doing the whole nine yards and, you know, I know that doesn't work for everyone, but it's, it's worked for me. Um, great over the years. So, okay. And then just to be clear, I'll double check your assets in rental property in real estate are included in the 1.7. Correct. Yeah, okay. that's all. Up. So perfect. Your post-tax investments, the 760k is that index funds or what do those investments look like? Yeah, so I've actually got that broken down as well. Um so uh, about 35% of it is large cap stocks. 
Fourteen um, percent is large caps international stocks. Fourteen um, percent is international intermediate bonds, and then it kind of just dwindles down from there. So those those large cap stocks, I believe, a lot of it, the majority of it, is index funds, though. So so it's roughly seventy percent in large cap, and then fourteen percent in bonds, and then there's just like some other. Yeah, it's minimal stuff like we got mid cap stocks, REITs, small cap international, small cap uh, emerging markets and things like that for a uh, diversification standpoint. I've got another f- uh, of that same amount, um, another 15K is in a rollover 401k, but everything else is after tax. And you said 500 in loans. Are those uh, student loans or are those mostly real estate? Oh. Yeah, so I'm. Those are just that's my primary residence and the uh, the mortgages on the rental properties. So I don't I don't have any consumer debt as far as you know student loans, car loans, or anything like that. Um, I own my car outright, and then like I said, I have a credit card, but I pay that off every month. So how how much do you spend a month? What's your budget? Uh, I usually spend about fifteen or well a thousand to fifteen hundred a month, um, and that's all up. You know, that's that's everything from gas to food to power bills, beer, uh, gas for the boat, things like that. So, and then my primary residence mortgage is about fourteen hundred dollars. So, okay, so that's not much at all. And if you did leave your job, you would have to account for health insurance as well. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've got, I don't know what the specifics are right now, but I've got pretty much the the bare minimal uh, health insurance that my job supports. I just, knock on wood, I, I don't really ever get sick that often. So. And so, so for the total expenses on average per month, that is, did you do the math here, Carl? What'd you get? Well, it looks like uh, you said about fifteen hundred in in discretionary spending, and then what? Your mortgage of fourteen hundred was that correct? Yeah. yeah. So all up, my my monthly expenses are usually about three thousand dollars. Okay, and then you'd have to add a little bit for healthcare, and that's uh, variable. It depends what you want to, mm-hmm. what plan you want to do there, and there's subsidies involved and all that. So that's a little bit of a wild card. And then. Yep. Just to sort of gauge it, uh, how big's your family? What are you looking at there um, as far as healthcare? How many people would you have to cover? Yeah, and and that was actually probably something that I wanted to talk about as well. Um, so my wife, uh, well, was a teacher. Um, she actually is leaving the, the teaching workforce this this past May. Um, we just had a daughter. Our daughter's going to be about one years old. You know, so, so through some of the projections of the financial advisor, we've actually been withdrawing three grand a month from that seven fifty. Um, because according to the projections that he's run, um, which again, at least seem accurate, um, that'll support her because, you know, her after tax as a, as a teacher is roughly about 2,800 a month, you know, so that's covering, um, or well, it's going to cover her expenses, the child's healthcare, um, hopefully her healthcare and things like that. So, so I'm just curious, you said you're withdrawing from the 760 K now. Correct. Okay. And that started... Uh, I don't know, a few months ago. So, hey, just to back up a second to make sure we understand completely that sure. the, the numbers you said before, that's for everyone, right? The You don't no. maintain separate accounts. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, we do maintain separate accounts. So it's, it's roughly 3,000 for me and then also 3,000 for her, you know? So I don't foresee 
both of us retiring right now. You know, I took paternity leave when we had my daughter a few months back. She would love to go back to work, um, but, you know, it needs to be more than the, the teacher salary. You know, so, so she's actually going to try and build up a real estate business during this time. You know, so the goal being is us essentially flip-flopping roles. Um, you know, me being a stay-at-home dad with that $3,000 a month cash flow, and then her, you know, having a booming real estate business, you know, whatever that's going to look like in a few years. So. Okay. And I just, I think I'm confused. So do you, All right. the, in the 1.7, no, I don't think it's your, your fault. The, for the 1.7 net worth, that's the combined family, correct? Or is that separate? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just mine. Um, her and I's finances are completely separate. She has student loans. She has a car loan, which has been a point of contention um, in the past, which is why our finances are separate. So, okay. So I think that's probably important to figure out. And I haven't, I haven't looked at a uh, scenario like that before and considered it very closely. Carl, do you have much experience where you're like, okay, um, basically you guys are playing by two sets of rules, sort of. Maybe. So, Pretty Carl, do you bad. have any uh, – have, have you looked at this before, basically? I, I know people who have done this, and it was kind of for the same reason, philosophical differences. One of the person was more of a spender, and the other person was not. So the person who was not was was like, okay, th that's fine to maintain a healthy relationship. Let's just have separate money. I'll do what I want with mine, and you can do what you want with yours. And I think that's a pretty healthy way to look at it if you have some differences. But then – I think that's kind of could this lead to problems too? So, so Steve, you've got one point seven, and I think you clearly have enough. Your spending is three thousand, so clearly that's enough. But what happens if it doesn't work out so well for the wife? Maybe, like now is, for example, is a pretty precarious time for real estate. Yeah, I, I, th I think it'd be it can be a great career. Mindy does it, and and she does awesome with it, but. There's ebbs and flows, and now might be a little bit of an ebb time with what's going on yep. now with inflation and everything else. So I could, do you worry about that? I guess we're we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, mm -hmm. but could no, this lead to any tension? Yeah, it's that's fair. Um, and and yeah, I I think it, that it could. Um, you know, I maybe this isn't very strategic, but it's kind of you know let's cross our bridge when we get there type of thing. You know, I think before we did that complete flip-flop, she's going to pay off her student loans and then also pay off her car loan, um, you know, which will obviously lessen the impact if if the market does soften. But yeah, it's a it's a valid concern. So what she draws the 3000 for herself, that's from a different account. That's from her own personal no. side. Oh, no, it's I'm, from yours. I'm, Correct. I've, I'm giving that to her for the time being um, so that she can stay at home, raise our daughter, um, and get the, uh, the business up and running. So, okay. So. Okay. Like Carl said, it looks like you got enough uh, based on these numbers. It's pretty cut and dry and clear. Now, one piece we can get into a little bit, uh, obviously you have more questions here. Do you envision, you know, your expenses are really low now, but in retirement, do you, are you like... I want to take um, dancing lessons or something like that. We're, we're going to do the dance lesson soon, by the way. It's a callback to a previous episode. It's Friday. There'll be a whole show on that one. But yeah, yeah. Do you think your expenses could be more because you're like, I want to do this other thing because now I have more free time and I can explore this? Yeah, it's a valid question. I, 
I don't think that they will. Um, and to be honest with you, something kind of weird happened. So when I took the month of paternity leave, my expenses dropped dramatically um, to about $750 that month. Um, you know, so I don't know if it was, you know, subconscious that I, I wasn't working, so I couldn't spend as much or, or what happened. And, and to be honest with you, the, the $1,500 has actually been pretty consistent um, over the last several years, at least. So I, I don't see it going up, but I understand what you're saying. So, okay. Yeah. And just to back up a second, if we apply the 4% rule, and this isn't a super peer application of it because that rule assumes a certain, I think it assumes 60% stocks and 40% bonds. So this isn't a perfect application of it, but let's just go with it. It's it's pretty close. So yeah. if, we, if we did that, like 4% times 800,000 is 3,200. So just... It's like right there. Yeah, just, just that could fund your life. But then you've got all these other real estate holdings on top of it, which are only a thousand a month. But eventually, that's all going to go up. I assume they have mortgages, so as those get paid down over the very long term, that thousand bucks is going to increase. Yeah, well, and just to be clear, the thousand dollars is net all of them cash flow. Um, it's not a thousand per. That would be man if it was a thousand per. <laughs> probably wouldn't be having this conversation, but yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. And you have a few questions here, so I was about to ask it, but yeah. you could just ask us directly right here. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, again, when I took the, that month of paternity leave, it was fantastic. Um, you know, it was really nice to, you know, not have to answer to anyone to to shut down email um, and things like that. And probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned from that is that work is always going to be there, um, in, in some form or fashion, you know, I, I was definitely kind of a victim of having to answer my emails, you know, the, the minute that they came in, otherwise I'd, I'd turn into a basket case and things like that. Um, you know, so I, I really appreciated the, the opportunity to slow down and unplug. Um, cause I hadn't done that since ever college, something like that. Um, you know, so I, I guess my thing is, you know, if I did retire or, you know, if I did flip flop with my wife, you know, what would I do with all my time? Um, you know, we, I love water skiing. I love wakeboarding. I love being out on the water. Um, I'd obviously be raising my daughter a lot of the time as well. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else to it. Um, you know, maybe take up some underwater basket weaving. I just, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, is your work an all-or-nothing situation? Like, um, for example, I went part-time at the end of my career, and I wish I would have done that sooner. And I don't know if sales, if there's an opportunity to do something like that. You could have some of fulfillment from work, some cash flow, but then you'd also have a lot more time off. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that it's an all or nothing, um, at least with the organization that I'm with right now, it, it probably wouldn't be, um, you know, I could probably, maybe I could find like a, a part-time sales position or a part-time call it operations per position in sales or something. I'm not sure, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, that my job is a job, you know, so I, and I want to, to spend my hours doing something that, that I love. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what I need to figure out is, you know, what does my passion project look like? So, yeah, you, you said a couple things that I think are super important and were super good. The first one was, you said you took a month of paternity leave and it was fantastic. 
so I think that gave you a little taste of, of what it's like. I know you're concerned about how you're going to fill your time, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And the other thing you said I think that was really important is you said work will always be there. And I, I think that's – especially with a young child, these are the most important years, and like five or six years she'll be in school. And yep. then – if you missed work, you could always go back at that time because she's in school for seven or eight hours a day, and then you could fill those hours at work if you haven't figured out something better to do. But I guess one other thing I, I think about, and maybe this isn't even a concern because it sounds like you're in demand, but maybe take a sabbatical. Like tell them you're burned out and you need six months off, and at the end of the six months, hey, guess what? I'm I'm not coming back or a year off or something like that. I don't know. Have you considered that? Uh, I have, um, you know, it would be more in the line of, you know, I, I quit and, but in, in my industry, it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, go from one organization to jump to another organization. Um, so I could, I could probably do that if needed. So. Okay. Uh, before we get more into that, let's close the loop on the investing and money part. Is there anything else you think we need to cover here, Doug? I, I think he's, he definitely has enough. It's a not it's a not a huge margin, but it sounds like there's a great great backup plan, and that his job is in demand, and he could always go back. And the other thing is, if you're doing well right now, after all the all the tumultuous stock market shit that's been going on, you're probably going to be okay because we've just had a big downturn, and we've we're in a bear market now. Officially, I think we've had a twenty percent downturn. So yeah. if if you can retire right now, like now is probably the best time to do it because. The whole sequence of returns thing, we, you've already experienced them. They've already happened and you're still making money. And if you're good now, you're probably going to be really good going forward. That 4% is probably going to be more like 6 or 8%. Or, that that yeah. might be a little bit too ambitious. Mm -hmm. well, well, yeah, that's – I guess that was the, kind of the, the main – that I definitely wanted to hear from you guys was, you know, am I am I being crazy? Um, you know, the, the $3,000 a month, what I obviously, of course – don't want that to do is erode the principle, at least for the long term. But, you know, to your point, Carl, the the, the four percent rule, it seems like it's right there. Um, you know, plus the thousand dollars a month from rentals. Um, you know, my my only other concern is call it an, an emergency fund. Um, you know, I've I, I've got the the six month in in cash, but you know, if I if I don't go back to work and then I have to pay for, uh, God forbid, a roof on one of the rental properties, you know, what is what is that going to look like? Mm -hmm. Well, and I was going to say, I actually disagree with you, Carl. I would say now in a down market is probably not a great time to retire if you're planning on pulling whatever 3K a month or like you said, if there's some emergency. So this is good that we disagree. And I'm just like, I ride it out until there's a little bit of a recovery and just feel a little bit better sleep better at night you're you'd probably be okay but you know that's a, a i guess a risk factor and some people are more comfortable now the fact that, that you can go back to work and the real estate is going to pay off more in the future that gives you more of a cushion but yeah. you know you have to look at the whole picture and then when you zoom out and it's like your wife um has a different perspective on fire and such and saving and a car loan and stuff like that. You know, that's another variable that doesn't look as good where if she had a similar balance sheet, then it's like, oh, this all fits together. The risk is a little lower. So what do you think, Carl? Am I 
off base or yeah, yeah i was gonna say i'd like to probe you a little bit more doug yeah not not that kind of probing we'll we'll do that later um <laughs> What is your concern? Is it selling assets at a lower price or is it just that you're worried about just the general health of the economy? Uh, the former. So selling the assets at a lower price right now. Okay. So it sounds like Steve probably makes a good buck and you said you had, I, I believe, a $30,000 cash cushion that you don't necessarily want to draw down. But one hybrid solution here might be to work for a little bit longer, just stockpile like six months worth of cash to live on so you don't have to... I mean, that's the whole reason mm -hmm. the sequence of returns risk is dangerous because you're drawing down your assets at a decreased valuation. But if you could somehow not touch those and live off cash for a little while longer, maybe ride this out, maybe even a year. Who knows when this is going to be done with? It could be done within a month. It could be two years. So if you had cash to live off versus selling investments, I think I would be happier with that. And you already have the $1,000 of cash flow from the properties mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of good stuff. And I, I mean, I don't think it's like, I'm not saying don't retire now. It's just now versus this time last year, much different picture, right? And then we like ro rode the stock market up another, I don't know what it was, like 15, 20% to the end of the year. And then it's like dropped back down or something. But but basically, when you look at the when you look at the graph, it doesn't make me feel good like where we were, which is all psychological, right? Because sure. last year we would have been like, go for it, and then it's a little tough. But that'll be something you got to figure out. But yeah, I'm like, I mean, this is literally the when you think about the sequence of returns, this is the worst time. Like this is when you're impacted the most, right? Yes, you don't want to be selling assets now if you don't have to. Any thoughts, yeah. Steve? No, and and I I completely agree with you. You know, my my the other piece of it too is the opportunity cost. Um, you know, so so last year I my IW two did about one hundred and seventy k. Um, this year I'm I'm targeting you know about the the same amount. Um, you know, I've I'm in talks with another organization that would give me a promotion um, that would be in the three to four hundred k range. Um, you know, so that's, I, I can't turn something like that down right now. Um, you know, which is again, why my, my wife left teaching for obvious reasons. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I just, I just don't want to work if I don't have to. Uh, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But so. yeah, and that is tough too. the golden handcuffs. I think we may do an episode with uh, our yep. friend Jake soon, but yeah, it's like you have the opportunity to, you know, double what you're earning and then really hit it home. You know, any of the concerns we just mentioned, it's like it kind of goes away in like really just a few months, right, of of earning that level. Pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. Hard to walk away. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, my thought right now is we'll, we'll probably just continue, at least for the time being. You know, we're in a good spot with, with her staying home. You know, we'll see what happens with this this new opportunity um, as the year goes on, we'll see what happens with the stock market and we'll see what happens with her, her real estate business. But that's, that's at least, you know, called the one to two to three year plan at this point. So. And I'm just curious, where in the world do you live, Steve? You don't have to name a town, maybe a region if you don't want to get super specific or if you don't yeah. even want to say that, that's fine too. I, I am in the, uh, the Southeast U S. Okay. So. 
So that that's uh, I know a lot of areas of that are doing real well with real estate and with business in general, low taxes and um, lesser labor issues. I know a lot of auto manufacturing is moving to those regions and stuff like that, but that's a whole unrelated topic. But yeah, and how old is your daughter? One more time. She's going to be a year in about two weeks. Okay. So. One thing that happened with my daughter is I also had a boat, Steve, and every time we would take her on it, she was young, she would start screaming. She hated the boat. So that might be an opportunity to lower your expenses, too. I hope that doesn't happen to you because it seems like this is an important part of your life. Uh, I mean, if, yeah, it might be an opportunity to lower my, my expenses on the child care front because I'm not getting rid of the boat. So you know. <laughs> Priorities. So yeah. you were talking about you know, what you would do with your time. And you said, if it was up to me, I would water ski and wakeboard all day and just be on the boat. I mean, do you think that would be sustainable? I, that sounds pretty, I'm not a water person myself, but yeah. it seems like if you could make that work, uh, why not? Yeah. And, and ironically enough, one of my, one of my buddies that I, I ride with pretty frequently, um, there's a, there's several water ski and wakeboard camps and training facilities around, um, where he, he actually just got a part-time job there. Um, you know, so I've, I've thought about doing something like that, even if it's just, you know, being the boat driver or something like that, you know, you know, to your point earlier, Carl, maybe a, maybe a part-time gig. So. Yeah. And if it's doing something you love, how many people do we know who are like, yeah, I'm done with work. And then they end up being a bartender or something that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. So they're yeah. kind of working, but they're not really doing it for the money. And then you're around people that are, you know, having a good time. They're obsessed with it too. It's kind yeah. of a perfect scenario. Well, you know, aside from that, are there, are there other passion project kind of things that you're interested in where you're like, ah, maybe I would want to try it, put six months in or something like that? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I love working out. Um, I, I, I lift and, and do cardio every morning. <laughs> Um, I used to do CrossFit. Um, I had, I'd got a few minor injuries from that, but you know, I think that if I was able to devote devote more time to that, that would be a lot of fun. You know, I I think honestly, volunteering would be fun. You know, we have two big dogs. I think it would be great to to work in the the shelter there, possibly some things like that. So, what do your weekends look like? What do you do on Saturday and Sunday when you're not working? <laughs> We're out on the water. We're we're fortunate enough to uh, to live on a, a a lake down here, and you know we're we're pretty much out on the water, or we're we're grilling at night. Um, you know, family time in the pool, things like that. So, yeah, I I think Doug and I would probably both say something similar, and that we are not bored at all. And I was so worried about that before I left my job. I'm like, how am I going to okay. fill my time? What's going to happen now? And it turned out. What I did, whatever I could squeeze in outside of my job and kids, that just expanded. Like sometimes, a lot of times, I just wouldn't work, it out, work out at all because you don't have time. And, but now that half-hour workout that I would cram in there maybe before dinner, after work, that becomes like two and a half hours at the gym, which is awesome. You can be a little bit more laid back. You can experiment with different things. And yeah, I, I Doug and I both walk all over town. And I don't know. It, it's very pleasant. I don't think it's a concern at all. And like you alluded okay. to before, your worst case is you could just go back to what everyone else is doing. Just go back to work if you truly are bored. But I don't think it would happen. And Doug, I'm curious. I'd like to hear your experience on that. 
And there are a couple people I know we're kind of, we're in Longmont, so Mr. Money Mustache and all that there. We do come across a lot of FI people. And there are a couple who I do know who are bored and actually went back. But I think that's rare. I'd be curious to hear about you and what percentage of people you think are unsuccessful in retirement. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't get bored. I have, you know, a couple these couple podcasts that I work on and it's like just enough to keep me busy and like a little structure to the day, but I come up with, you know, different projects all the time or just, you know, like you said, just walking around town, working out, going on a hike, like there's always plenty to do. And I have to actually fight the urge to do too many things and like have a down day, which it, it sounds like Steve, you you may be in the same situation because you'd be like, oh, I gotta you know want to get the boat out, get on the water and stuff like that. But some days, like you just need to chill out and like rest, rest the body. So yeah, I'll, and I'll be honest with that's kind of been one of my you know it's I guess a blessing and a curse. Um, I'm I'm wound pretty tight. You know, I I wake up at four and I'm in the gym for two hours every morning. And it's just a very go, go, go mentality that I've had for such a long time, you know, and on the one hand, that's led me to success that I've seen this far in my life. But on the other hand, you know, when, when I had the, the paternity leave, it was like, okay, I, I need to be intentional about slowing down um, and decompressing and things like that. So maybe it's a little bit of a learned skill. So, oh, How that- much do you sleep each night, by the way? Uh, I sleep about seven or eight hours. I'm actually usually in bed at about eight o'clock. So oh, that's pretty I, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what were you going to say, Carl? Sorry. No, I just, uh, Steve, one thing you just said really resonated with me and Doug will probably rub it in a, in a little bit. You said you have to be intentional about slowing down and that's super true. I'm, I'm five years out and I still, I'm still way wound up too. I'm, <laughs> I'm high strung too. And it's, it's really hard, but to even allow myself time to read or something like that. But you have to say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this in the morning that I'm going to give myself two hours in the afternoon just to read a book or go for a walk with a kid or go to the playground. And I think it might be a little bit of a struggle for you. But I mean, what a great thing to have to, if you have any struggles in life, what an awesome, like privileged <laughs> thing to have to struggle yeah. with to tell yourself to shut down a little bit. Oh, no, you're right. Um, and it's it's funny that you say uh, read a book. So I, I'm a big to-do list guy. And I actually put read on my to-do list every day. So I carve out the time to do it. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you really have to just like sh- shut it off. I, I, and I don't know. I mean, I, I struggle with it too, but I think I do a little bit better. And I think part of it, Carl, cause you, you talk about like always wanting to be efficient, which, I, you know, it's like part of our, um, maybe like DNA as we're going through college or something, like it's really pounded in, like be efficient, be efficient. Like if you write code, you want it to be efficient, but it's like sometimes you have to just watch TV and like literally like waste time to like tune out. And it like feels so wasteful because you have good time that you could use to whatever, cut the grass or like do landscaping or um, whatever. But instead you're watching like a dumb fucking TV show. Well, yeah, it's hard. No. And well, and to be honest with you again, you know, that was, that was one of the best things about paternity leave. You know, I, I would wait, I would sleep in every day and then I, I crushed like all of the star Wars the back to the futures. (laughs) It was fantastic. So, 
Yeah. What's um, what's your favorite out of those three series? You said Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Terminators. Do you have a favorite or favorite film from one of those series? Oh man. Um, well, definitely Terminator Two. Yes. Um, oh, that's the right answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you know, I, I I like Star Wars. You know, I'm definitely not you know the Star Wars nerd or anything, but the the oath the original three are by far the best. So. And I'm a Back to the Future fan. Um, the, the first one is probably my favorite, but um, yeah, Terminators, those are fine, but I, I was never um, like too obsessed. Oh, Doug, I'm yeah. not sure if we can continue. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all, they were all good um, movies. And I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars, but yeah, the original three from whatever, the 70s and early 80s, like those were way better. I, I don't even know if I've watched all the, all the, uh, the more recent track. ones. I can't keep track. There's so many spinoffs in this, that, and the other. I'm like, I don't know how this correlates to any plot line whatsoever. So yeah, you know. they're just random. Yeah. Okay, we'll get a lot of hate for all the Star Wars <laughs> Probably. talk. Yeah, right. um, so, so one area you mentioned too is: is there anything that you're not thinking of? You don't know what you don't know, and. Yeah. Carl alluded to the good community that we have here. So a lot of people understand that, you know, we're fi, we're doing some unconventional things. We have free time during the day. Do you have a community around you, other early retirees or folks that do have such free time? Not that I know personally. Um, you know, I know that there's, you know, a bunch of resources on, on bigger pockets. There's, there's meetups that I've found and, you know, this is, this is on me for, I guess, being lazy. I haven't connected with any of those individuals yet, but I, I believe that the resources are out there. Yes. So. Yeah, that helps me a lot. And Doug took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you the exact same thing. I remember the first day or it was probably the first week I went to the, uh, the local park and I was there with a bunch of seniors and um, ladies walking their babies. I'm like, ah, this is interesting. So <laughs> there's so many ways to find community. Now you probably have a choose a fi meetup somewhere near you. And w once you meet those people, there are a bunch of people in the same boat, maybe literally the same boat. Uh -huh. <laughs> there you go. So, so they're going to say, Hey, like here we do a hike on Thursday and it's in the middle of the day. But the other thing I have to say about that is the world has changed since I left my job. Um, now, if I go out in the middle of the day, there's all kinds of people who look like me or people from every spectrum because work has changed. We've got remote work, work situation, and I think we're much more loosely coupled to our work. So just because, just because you don't have people who might be in the exact same boat as you doesn't mean there aren't people with flexibility who you might want to meet up with or go for a hike or go for a boat ride or something in the middle of the day. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I know, you know, real estate investors usually have a lot of free time too. So that's right in your network and people that you probably already know also. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, thank you for reminding me. That's actually probably something that if I, if I did retire, you know, I probably like to do more of, um, you know, just probably start with the networking of real estate investors locally. Um, you know, I don't, I know flipping houses can be very lucrative. I don't, I don't want to do that, but, you know, maybe join in a small real estate investing firm part-time or something like that, I think could be, could be fun too. So. So from a lifestyle perspective, do you have any other questions or uh, concerns on your side? Or if you're just curious about how Carl and I spend our time, which could be interesting to go down. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, 
I think we kind of mentioned all of it. It's, you know, just are, are there any other gotchas that I haven't thought of? You know, I don't know what I don't know, but you've kind of addressed a lot of them. Um, anything else that, you know, being in the boots on the ground or doing this on a day-by-day basis for a number of years now that, that you could share with me words of wisdom? One, one other area, I guess, is like to be willing, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but be willing if you're like, hey, I want to try painting or something yeah. and just like, you know, go buy the stuff you need, like try it out for a couple months or whatever, and just like try new things that you wouldn't have done before. Uh, maybe way outside of like what you would normally do, like the dance lessons I was just talking about. But yeah. that could be cool just to get you out of your comfort zone, uh, meet new people, and you just challenge your brain in a different way. I think that's that's pretty, and, and I'm trying to think if I've done that specifically recently, but nothing comes to mind. I think that okay. could be a good thing. It does sound like you keep busy on your own. And I, because of that, I'm not too worried. I think it's the people that, you know, I guess you asked that earlier, Carl, like the people that don't make it work. I'm not sure why. I. Th- it seems like they enjoy their job. Like our friend Robert, he basically took a sabbatical, but he went back essentially to his old job, but he truly likes his job and likes the people he works with and all that kind of stuff. And I guess if you were in that sort of magical unicorn kind of scenario then it it makes sense to go to go back with your friends and do work that you enjoy doing that's challenging and all that kind of stuff but since my job wasn't anything like that it was really easy to not ever want to go back yeah okay no i like it man yeah i would say communicate well with the wife too um I'm trying to think of someone. There, there was someone I I knew who I wouldn't say their name anyway. But one of them retired, and the other one did not. And I think there was a little bit of jealousy at that point. And this was an odd situation because the wife could have retired, like like they had the money, they shared their finances. But so she didn't really have any leg to stand on to be bitter towards him, but because she could have left, but she chose not to. But she would kind of hold it against him. And, it, and maybe there was more stuff going on there. I just got the superficial version of this story, but I I would say have good communication and there's ways you might be able to help with the real estate business too. I know you're just a turnkey person. You don't want to be involved in flipping or hands-on real estate, but maybe you have some knowledge there that you could share and help her build a certain niche. Like there are not a lot of good real estate agents who are investor friendly. They just don't know what cap rates are and the 1% rule and all that kind of thing. So that might be an area where you could help her but yeah, I would just watch that carefully. If it didn't work out and she had to go back to work, make sure there's no resentment there. Um, yeah. Things like that. Watch and, that close. And uh, yeah, and thank you for reminding me. We've actually talked about that as well. You know, so that might be kind of uh, where we dive into again, you know, in a, in a few years once the business kind of ramps up and things like that. So. All right. As we're closing out, what does your perfect day look like? Oh man. Um, definitely being on the water, uh, you know, being on the boat with my, uh, with my family and friends. Um, and then, you know, usually grilling out an awesome steak at night, you know, having some beers and calling it a day. So sounds like a good day. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. I was going to say, I will be in the Southeast at some point this year, maybe twice. I want to go down there to watch a 
launch in Florida. We might be in Florida a couple of times, but yeah, that sounds like a pretty good life being on the water and uh, steak. I yeah. Like it. Awesome. Well, Steve, this has been great. And like we said before, if other people want to uh, chat with Carl and I just like this, you can shoot us an email at whatever email address Carl mentioned that it'll be listed in the show notes. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You can find these things. Send it for the email list, guys. And we, gals. We, we always mention the email and then we never say what it actually is. And there's been comments like, what the hell is your email address? You dudes never say it. It, it is. That's true. And we should do a better job. But I'm like, if they really want to get to us, they could get in touch with us. Like, just you, you could find us. Like, <laughs> yeah. if they need it, like, they could find the email address. It's I mean, like, it, it shouldn't be a scavenger hunt, though. But yeah, it's like a little test. All right, Steve, thanks a lot. And uh, looking forward to catching up with you sometime in the future to hear how this all played out. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five. And uh, actually, we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. I don't have a good question to ask, but I'll just make one up. When did you start shaving your head? uh, Seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever my hair fell out. So... Late 20s, early 30s, something okay. like that. And then um, did you resist early on? Like, uh, should I wait? Like, maybe I could comb this over? Yeah, I, I probably waited about a year or so. Um, tried to do like some weird smoke and mirror fa- fading, if you will. And then I just said, screw <laughs> it. So. Okay. And then after you did it, how'd you feel? Way better. Way more better. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I, I think I resisted just a little bit. I was continually like cutting my hair shorter and shorter. And I actually knew as soon as I shaved it, that I would love it. And then I would have to shave it all the time. Yeah. So I, I held off a little bit, but I was already like just using clippers and cutting it, like shaving it. So effectively bald, but not as sleek and aerodynamic as I am now. <laughs> so the real, do you use Dollar Shave Club or do you, you know, do you have like one of those clipper trimmer roller things or what are you what are you doing i have um yeah i just have like normal like um like razors that one would shave their face with although i don't shave my face because my my skin's so delicate 
and sensitive that I'll break out and I'll get ingrown hair. So I keep it kind of scruffy, um, okay. you know, fashionably scruffy, I think. But um, yeah, I got um, just normal razors, but I actually have, you know, those safety razors where it's like a double-sided deal and you're, I have one of those. Okay. I don't use it all the time because it is a little more aggressive and it's a little bit harder to not cut yourself. <laughs> so yep. well, what do you what do you do, Steve? I have Dollar Shave Club. Uh, I think it's okay. like seven bucks a month and then just, you know, shave and then the aftershave bomb and it, it's it's worked for me. So Got it. Okay. I don't like the disposable ones. Those those get kind of sketchy sometimes, at least for my skin. So Gotcha. And then yeah. Carl, what about you? Have you thought about shaving your head? You, you have a nice mane, I would say. I Excuse me. I have thought about it. The thing with hair is it, it has to be super easy. If it grows, if I need any kind of hair device besides shampoo or hair care product other than shampoo, like I will not deal with hair. I will not use conditioner. I don't even know what the purpose of that is. Uh, I will not comb it. So as soon as it gets long enough where you have to like comb it or maintain it, it's gone. Fuck the hair. So I would not mind going bald, actually. And I think we're in a different place. When I was a kid, it was kind of like a, a weird thing. But I think now it's kind of accepted and even cool. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, we're, we're trying to, um, you know, have that dialogue. We're trying to <laughs> bring it bring it forward. But yeah. I, I was going to say, like, you'll love it because no hair care products. You don't have to dry your hair. There's, it's like it's minimal. The work is up front. So once you shave it, you will have to stay on top of it. But I think this is maybe like three days or so. So like a couple times a week. Yeah. It's so, not really that bad. So y'all just use like a bar of soap on top of your head or you, no need for shampoo? You just... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. No. No. It's super easy. So anyway, Carl, yeah. we'll, next time we room together, we can shave each other's head or something. You should just wait till he's asleep and take clippers so he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> he sleeps too late. All right. Okay. This this is good. And then 